Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. And Abundantly Well, Seven Medicines, The Wise Woman Way, the newest book in the Wise Woman Herbal Series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Hi, Susan. How are you doing this evening? Hot. Continues. Continues to be brutally, horribly hot here. Uh, But, uh, hey... Mm. 
We're getting through it. What can I say? Things are drying up, and that's kind of scary, seeing the reservoirs shrinking. But apparently in places where it's been very droughty, like in Colorado, they're having some rain. So that's a sigh of relief. Hmm. Yeah. And I got the air conditioning fixed. I got the air conditioning fixed in my car, so that's a very big sigh of relief. Oh, that is. Hmm. Right, and so now all we need is for some rain to please come down from the sky. It was cloudy all day, but it was one of those teasing cloudy days where it didn't really send any moisture down. Hmm. How's everybody in your place? Oh, we are doing good here. It is starting to cool off a little bit. We we usually have the similar weather to you, about four to six days ahead of you. And it was brutally hot here as well. We did get some nice rains afterwards, so I hope maybe it's just saving up for tonight. Oh, once the, our way. Um, Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, it, you know, it, it it made it so that I bought, um, you know, I went to a local farm and bought some lettuce for the green goddesses because I just didn't expect them to be able to pick enough uh, weeds. Oh, wow. That is shocking. Yeah, it's that wow. dry. It's super, super dry. Wow. No, there's no garlic wow. mustard. There's no chickweed. There's like a lot of things. I've been watering the shiso just to keep it alive. Oh, my goodness. I'm so it's it's, it's very drought tolerant, yeah. Wow. Even the amaranth, which is one of the most drought tolerant of all the plants, is wilting. So, oh. so hopefully, wow. hopefully, that rain you're talking about will be on its way ever so soon. Oh, yeah. Watching for yes. rain. Yes, 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 yes. <clears throat> we have a wonderful guest tonight, Vincent Jenna, a truly authentic and gifted psychic medium with the knowledge and experience of a psychotherapist has a big, charming personality of a showman. Vincent Genna combines extraordinary psychic ability, academic credentials, and a genuine all-loving approach to provide healing for body, mind, and spirit. And he's going to talk to us about his first book, The Secret That's Holding You Back, just released. And he's going to tell you what you can do right now to change that. Hmm. It's at 9 o'clock, so stay with us until then. 9 o'clock East Coast time, or come on back and give Vincent Gena an ear. Do we have anybody with questions? Uh, yes, we have a hand raised, uh, and I'll remind everyone listening that if you've got a question or would like to speak with Susan about anything this evening, remember to press 1 so that we see your hand raised in the queue. 
Uh, the first hand that is up is dialed in from the 917 area code. From the 917, you are live with Susan. Hello, Susan. Hello, Sarah Ellen. Hi, hi. Hi, my name is Catherine. Called in before. Um, Susan, I don't know you personally, but I want to tell you that your uh, work and your gifts and all the knowledge you've spread has enabled me to know myself better, and I want to thank you for that. Thank you so much. You are welcome, Catherine, and thank you for making the effort to do that. Yeah. No, no, really, you've been such a gift. Um, so I'll be, I'll be quick. In the summer, the summer of COVID, the summer of COVID, I planted a bunch of Ella campaigns. Yes. I had, I had heard that it was uh, antiviral, and, and I, I put her in my garden. She's beautiful. I've got a great number of plants. Love her. So that was 2020. Then we have season of 2021. This is season of 2022. She's in her third year. Um, she's not ready. She's not ready to give over, but she's tall. She's blocking out the sunlight and the rest of the garden, and I don't know what to do. I thought I had read in, in Juliet um, DeBarakai Levy's book that um, you can cut Ella Campaign down and put it in your chicken coop. Do you have any ideas? I grow the Ella Campaign because I like to make a tincture of the root. Right. And by digging some of the root each fall, it keeps it from spreading too vigorously, which it sounds like it's doing, because when it's happy, it's very happy, and it really kind of wants to take over. <laughs> Mine made the mistake of growing next to a poke plant. And this particular poke plant, as I'm looking here, the elecampane is very tall, so I, you know I'm eye to eye with it. But the poke plant is way over my head. So, so she's not, you know, overshadowing anything, and that that works out. But she, if she's growing in your garden in a place where there's, she's blocking the sun from plants then you can either put shade-loving plants there or move her, ah, right? Sure, sure. Oh, I'm not too far from you, but I'm just one zone north. I'm right out of Hanover, New Hampshire. We don't have poke at all. I wish I had. Um, ah. Yeah, but I put her – she's near tomatoes, and I just thought maybe I'd cut the stalk off and, and use the stalks. I, I put the, the petals in salad. I don't want to, you know, inhibit uh-huh. her, but I, yeah, I uh-huh. think I'd make use until until maybe a couple more years, until she's really ready to give up her roots. I'm not quite understanding, so let me it just Talk for a minute. When a plant is growing, see, there's, there's an exchange between the root and the above ground part. And plants 
like Yellow Campaign, that aren't evergreen, but that come up in the spring with green parts, and those green parts come up into flowers and then make seeds and then die, <clears throat> that all the time that's happening, that's feeding the root. Okay. And that's one of the reasons why we dig roots in the late fall after the top growth has, after the vegetative growth has died back. Cutting it seems to me that it would interfere with the plant's ability to thrive. Mm-hmm. Unless you had a specific need to do so. And my Ella campaign is already starting to die back. It's big, but it doesn't stay that way for a really long time, I find. I'm probably about two weeks behind you. Yeah. So, um... I'd like to let it go to flower and let it make seeds. And in most instances, once a plant is three years old, you can start harvesting the root. Okay. Okay. And you'll see if you start digging around in there in the fall that it's nice to have some of those dead stalks there to find it by. (laughs) Okay. And that okay. there's a lot of different kind of pieces of root. And you want to, um, the ones that have like green stuff growing out of them are the ones that will be sprouting next year. Okay. So be sure to leave you- a goodly number, a goodly number of those. When, um, when you're growing Ella Campaign, do you, does one ever have use for the stock, or is it, is it just for its incredible beauty? That's what I would say. Is it's very beautiful. That's yeah. not to say it doesn't have uses, but I don't know if, that it's considered especially useful. Okay. Was I hallucinating when I, when I read... Um, in uh, the herbal farm book or the herbal book for farm and stable that you can put it in, in the chicken coop or I can't find my, oh, my you copy could. of you could I'm not sure do but you could okay <laughs> yeah okay right like you, may hear the you know if straw and hay is in short supply or something like that and you're saying oh well I really need this then I'm not say, I'm not saying it would hurt anything uh, so far as I know. Okay. But it's just kind of like a big stiff stalk. Right. It's a big stiff, stiff stalk. The birds, you know, I mean, the little ones can jump on it and, and they can play with the leaves. But I, I thought it might have had some purpose for, you know, chickens and ducks. But may, maybe I'm mistaken. I, I can't find a copy of my book. That's why I, I called in to ah. ask. Uh, well, and I'm not where mine is. I'm so sorry to say. Okay. 
but the next time I am where my uh, herbal for the farm and stable is, I will look up Ella Campaign and see what she has to say. <laughs> okay, great. Great. All right. Thank you, Susan. You're okay. so welcome. Thank Good you night. for a wonderful question. Good night. Green okay. blessings. Green blessings. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. And we've got uh, four callers that have pressed one to raise their hand. The next caller has dialed in from the 613 area code. From the 613, you are live with Susan. Hello. Hi. Thank, thank you What's for up tonight. Um, my name is Elanita. First of all, I I just wanted to to thank you. You know, I since I started um, drinking infusions, really I seldom see my doctor. <laughs> like, and I'm not like uh, so afraid every time I need to to see like just just for general checkup, you know, maybe once in every two years. But um, you are my inspiration, really. You, you inspire me so much in so many ways, and thank you for that. You are welcome. And again, thank you for making that effort yeah. to make the infusions and drink them. Yeah, it's... Uh, I. I Sometimes it's like I'm, I'm craving, especially for the nettle infusion. I, I cannot have it in like in a week, <laughs> even if, if I had to order it in, in the USA because I'm here in Ottawa, Canada. I, I don't mind <laughs> just to have it, just, you know, and I share it with my family as well. So you're in a place where you can't buy nettle, dried nettle? It's just so hard. Every time I go to a natural food store here in Canada, they don't have it, like, you know. And so I always have to, like, order, like, online maybe, like, iHerbs. Now I can see, um, yeah, um, Frontier is actually selling iHerbs, on iHerbs. So now I can actually (laughs) buy it here in Canada. Oh, good. Yeah. Anyway, um. I am calling because uh, you know I'm I'm going to have a, a dental surgery, dental implant surgery this coming month. So I I was actually told that uh, I'm gonna have two procedures, like I will have bone grafting and uh, sinus lift. Then once healed, um, I would have this uh, implant surgery. Since, yeah, uh, usually. About a year for the implant to heal. Yes, so I was told like depends could be like five or six months after like the bone grafting. So it really depends how well I recovered or healed those uh, first surgery. So mm-hmm. I was told the bone uh, would not just a matter of how well you recover. You're having a bone graft. That bone graft has to take. Oh, so that right. They're adding bone to your jaw so that they can drill a hole in that bone and screw a metal screw into it to hold your implant. Yeah, that, that's what I, you know, I was told. So it has to be strong enough to do that. Yeah. Mm. The actual putting the implant in... It's really minor surgery. It's done, you know, 
on an outpatient basis right there in the dentist's office. It's not a big deal. But the getting the bone graft to, like, be part of your body can be a big deal. But you are drinking nourishing herbal infusions, and that will make it very easy. Oh, okay. Good to know. Um, the bone graft will come from my – it's going to be – they're going to get the bone from my lower jaw. But then I was told as well that some bone has to come from, from, from a cow to make it more stable and strong. So I said, why would you need to get some, like, bone from a cow? My 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 own bone doesn't enough, not enough to make it strong. Uh, that was like basically what they're doing actually. That they they have to to add more. Well, let me ask you this: the bone in your lower jaw is it yes. younger than the bone in your upper jaw? I'm not sure. Is Obviously not, right? All of the bone in your body is the same age, the age of you. Oh, yeah, that, that is something that I wanted to hear from you because I wanted to ask the surgeon. So uh, the bone from the cow is young bone. Oh, okay. And young bone is busier than older bone. So what are you saying? Like, um, if that my... It, um, that younger bone is a better choice for a graft. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like the situation in your upper jaw needs something more than a piece of your bone. The people I've known who've had implants and bone grafts um, have used only external bone and not any of their own bone because they haven't wanted to um, interfere by having bone taken out of their jaw. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like if somebody said to you, oh, this sheet on your bed um, needs to be a little longer. Let's cut a piece off the bottom sheet to make it longer. Yeah. So I'm I'm a little hesitant and a bit scared about that idea, but they're saying that's something that, you know, they're doing that's what they do. Uh, I, I would like to understand, if you don't mind, what it is you're afraid of. Well, they're going to, uh, maybe the idea of like, you know, those slips, sign a slip, and then they're going to get my, from my own bone, and, and they're going to put it around those. Um, you're afraid of the whole procedure. Exactly, and then some... Okay, not the cow bone specifically or this part of that part, but the whole entire thing. The entire thing, and then a bone... The entire thing. And this is to replace one tooth, is that right? No, actually, um, they're going to do like a bone graft, the the bone grafting tree, tree tip on my tree tip. 
So upper. There's going to be three teeth ultimately that will yeah. you'll yes. have implants. Actually, five. Are they touching each other, or are the are they all in the same part of your mouth? Yes, uh, on uh, the upper uh, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I really hear you about your <coughs> unease and fear about the entire procedure, mm-hmm. and there's a couple of things that you can do. Yes. One is that you can get a second opinion. Okay. In fact, I always suggest before any really invasive procedure, and this is invasive, mm-hmm. that you get a second opinion. I strongly suspect that any second opinion is going to say to have implants if you have three contiguous teeth there. Um, but they might have different opinions on what kind of bone is used for the bone graft and how that is done. Okay, yeah. I don't think that they're going to have a different opinion about implants. Your other choice, of course, and I know this has been explained to you, is to have a bridge. And the difficulty with having a bridge is that it is exactly that, and it requires being hooked into the teeth, if there are any before and after, where the teeth aren't, and that then injures those teeth. Yeah, um, the bridge would not be possible because um, it was just full, like, you know, one of my tooth that was holding that bridge before. Uh, they had to... No longer good. Yes, no longer good. So uh, the way is like the dental implant. So what what do you do when you're facing something that could introduce infection? What kinds of things do you do to help yourself? Like uh, what would help me in terms of... Yeah. Uh, I think you're asking about preparing for this and feeling safer. Yes. uh, It's like I'm asking your thought about this and um, if you can help me like um, kill faster like after each procedure and what I'm saying is besides drinking nourishing herbal infusions are you Mm -hmm. using any other herbs and are you using any herbs that are anti-infectious yes uh, I'm using this yarrow tincture Mm mm-hmm yeah, I use and it for are you currently brushing your teeth with yarrow tincture? Yes, yes. Excellent. I do. Excellent. I would be sure to use it by spraying it on Spray. the areas that had been surgically treated. Oh, okay. So um, I just I have to do make... that repeatedly, like every hour or so. Every hour? Help... Yes, it will also help to numb any pain. Okay, so like I have to like add some water before I spray, like make sure it's mixed with a little. I never water. add water to it, but you can if you want to. Oh, okay. So I don't have to. Why would you cause... add water? Oh, yeah, because sometimes it's so strong. But maybe I'll yeah. So. Oh, 
let's see. Is it your tincture that you made? No, no, I don't. I don't uh, uh-huh. make any tincture. <laughs> so where did, you, where, where did you get it? I sometimes get it like um, I herbs, and then I... I've read about like this red moon herbs and then cat skills. Uh huh. So uh-huh. Cat skill mountain herb tinctures are mm-hmm. made in vodka. Yeah. And they're very gentle when used full strength. The okay. red moon herbs are in grain alcohol, uh-huh. and you might have to dilute it because. Grain alcohol is very harsh. I generally don't use it. Oh, okay. So um, I, don't he- I don't have to add water if I'm going to buy it like um, Catskills Mountain. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, so I could spray those, um, the yarrow. So it's... Yeah. It's yarrow is a very common plant. It's very happy to grow in pots. Oh, okay. I... I saw one like um, in like a nursery. I actually bought yeah. it and then planted it. What color was it? Oh, sorry. What color was it? Yeah, I was. I wanted to ask you because it's like yellow, I, and I. Uh, that I think, that doesn't work. Oh, that's the one because the one I saw you on your Facebook account is like white. Has to be white. Has to be oh, like the yellow, the red, the orange, you can't use those. That's why I said I'm so hesitant. Anyway, I bought it just to familiarize myself. It's pretty. It's pretty, but it's not medicinal yarrow. It's the, actually, there was, this, there was this little phase in herbal medicine for a while. I think it's died out, which was called um, science-based herbalism. It was really just like definitely science-based, but n- not based on any experience or anybody's knowledge, which made it kind of silly. So they would look at something like yarrow and they would say, aha, yarrow contains alkaloids and alkaloids are poisonous, yes. And yarrow contains volatile oils and volatile oils are poisonous. And yarrow contains resins and resins are poisonous and yarrow contains glycosides and glycosides are poisonous. Therefore, yarrow is a poisonous plant that should not be used at all. Mm-hmm. And if we're talking about the colored varieties of yarrow, that might be true, because the colored varieties have a lot more of those compounds. Oh, uh, I see. Okay. Another that's... plant in the same family, tansy, which is sometimes called buttons kind of takes this to the extreme with the, many of the compounds in Euro, but in very strong amounts, so much so that Tansy's considered to be a poisonous herb. I know one woman who grew Tansy in her garden. It's easy to grow. It's a really weedy plant. And any time she thought she was pregnant, she would start eating Tansy buttons. The little round yellow flowers, kind of about the size of chamomile, a little bit bigger. And she, I said, how much? She, was, she said, I don't know, you know. If the tansy would talk to me and I would eat a button and I would wander off and maybe that day or the next day I would eat another button. or, You know, she said, I just kind of kept in touch, kept walking by the tansy and feeling into, should I eat another one? She said, and I never, 
husband never missed a period. Mm. So the yellow that we're talking about, the white yellow, is much milder in its action. Oh, okay. Well, it's good to know. And that's why we don't use the yellow arrow, mm-hmm. because it's more like yellow tansy. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so... Just, I, like, um, I like yellow as an anti-infective. I also like um, chinacea as a systemic anti-infective. And if mm-hmm. I'm going into a situation of elective surgery, yeah. I will often take... Um, a dose of echinacea several times a day, two or three times a day, for a few days, for a few days before the surgery, as well as immediately after. So immediately after. So for sure, I will be given like a, a medication for for infection and pain. So is it okay to well? I find it very interesting when people just totally abdicate any personal power. You're not going to be given any medication. They're suggesting it, but you're the one who's deciding to take it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Do antibiotics prevent infection? Well, every time I, my, my, I was... Do antibiotics prevent or treat infection. They treat infection. They do not prevent infection. When a surgeon suggests to me that I should take antibiotics after a procedure, I look at that surgeon and say, oh, will the surgery be done in septic conditions that Mm -hmm. you believe already that there's going to be an infection? What I'm saying is that echinacea will prime your blood to fight off any infection with the antibiotics that will be suggested and that you will be given a prescription for, but that you must go and fill, right? Yes, yes, for sure they will. You have to to actually do it. It's not that someone's putting these drugs down your throat. You yourself are going to take that prescription Go to the drugstore and get those drugs. And if my sense is always, I'm going to take echinacea beforehand, I'm going to take echinacea afterwards. If there seems to be any infection starting, I'm going to up my dose of echinacea. If that doesn't work, I have a prescription for antibiotics and I can go to the drugstore. Okay. What? It's not like you have to fling the prescription for antibiotics in the doctor's face and say, well, I'm using herbs. Mm. But you don't have to fill it or take it until mm-hmm. you, you need it. Yeah. And maybe you won't need it. You're drinking nourishing herbal infusions. You're going to be taking echinacea beforehand, a dose being a drop for every two pounds of body weight, for every kilo of body weight. Okay, every two, okay. 
Mm-hmm. So if you weigh 150 pounds, that's 75 drops or three dropper falls. There's about 25 drops in a dropper fall. 25. Is it 25 drops Drops in a dropper fall? 25? Just about okay. 25 drops per dropper fall, yep. Okay, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll, that makes I'll, it easy to figure out how many dropper falls you might want. Yeah, sure. And so that's a dose. And preventatively, a dose a couple of times a day is a good amount. If infection seems to be starting, then Mm -hmm. I decrease the time. If it's a couple of times a day, that's 12 hours apart. If infection seems to be starting, I might start taking it every four hours. If that doesn't do it, I might take it every two hours. When I'm moving into a situation in which there's already infection, mm-hmm. I use a full dose every hour. Okay. But using it the way you are, you probably won't need to do that. Okay. And I can say that I've used echinacea and heard from hundreds and hundreds of people who've used it. Echinacea in situations of elective surgery where they haven't needed to take the antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you had an opportunity to go to the Comfrey Conference, but if you did, did you learn that Comfrey is a great healer for bone? And any time anything is going on with the bone, and especially the bone transplant, Comfrey to the rescue. Mm-hmm. Probably okay. heard the story of my hurt wrist in Costa Rica. We thought it was sprained. It turned out to have been broken. And when I finally went to have an x-ray, which was three months later, the x-ray technician said to me, you didn't break your bone three months ago. You broke your wrist three years ago. And I said, why on earth did you say that? And he said, because of the bone remodeling, because of the amount of bone, that growth that has happened at your wrist, and it takes three years for that. It was, in fact, only three months, but that was Comfrey. So we're going to have to say that Comfrey makes the bone heal 12 times faster, right? Oh, okay. What took me three months to look to that doctor who's used to reading x-rays like 36 months worth of healing. So your doctor is going to be amazed and surprised at how quickly and how well you heal. Yeah, and that's why I said I wanted to, like, you know, talk to you and maybe ask some, like, you know, help maybe. So I, I wanted to, to. Well, you're already drinking comfrey infusion, right? Yeah, once uh, comfrey is, I rotate between steam metal, old straw, and uh, comfrey. Good. Linden is a really wonderful but uh, in that linden is an anti-inflammatory. Oh, linden. Okay. Yeah. It's just so hard to buy linden here because I I tried once like for seventy dollars one one pound is seventy dollars Canadian here and when I bought it's quite, it's quite amazing since it's not considered a noxious weed. It's considered a a plant. Um, that's used in landscaping quite a bit, in fact. Mm. Well, 
Interesting. I hear you. You say that you get the metal from the United States. Perhaps you should get some linden, too. Frontier, I believe, sells into Canada. I'm not certain, but I think so. Yeah, I I saw, like, linden um, frontier. Yeah, because when I try to find, like, linden here in Canada, it's like, it's just so expensive. (laughs) And I I saw my neighbor's um, trees. I said, what is this tree? Like, you know, it's linden tree. Really? Like, this is like a linden? <laughs> I, I I didn't know, like, uh, this is how, like, the linden tree looks like. So that's, that's what I'm telling you. I'm like, I'm so surprised that it should be so expensive because it's a common tree, and it's planted in cities. Yeah, that's why I said I, and, I didn't buy And you should get your neighbor to let you harvest the linden flowers next year. Yeah, I, I was thinking maybe I'm going to ask my neighbor if I can, like, you know, harvest some flower and then I'll try it So because it's just I think expensive. that they will be very happy to have you do that because they the lemon flower develops into a seed which has a very sharp point on it. Oh, okay. They were, they were surprised. So every, every group of flowers that you pick is going to prevent those difficult Prod upon seeds from developing. Most people are thrilled to have you pick linden from their tree. Okay. Oh, okay. That that would save me a lot of money. <laughs> I'm gonna ask my neighbor. Maybe next year. Yeah. Summer. Oh, big yes. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm so glad I talked to you. Thank thank you so much, um, Susan, for all those um, information. So even if I get the second opinion and the opinion would be the same, well, I guess oh, the, the surgeon is likely good here in Ottawa. I, I researched those surgeons, so, and it was recommended by my dentist, and um, I think he's good, so I just have to trust him, I guess, and then with, with the help, like the herbs. Trust and, him and take care of yourself. Yes, of course. Trust him and use hero on your wounds. Trust him and take echinacea. Yes. Mm-hmm. You see, the right. problem is that taking an antibiotic is somewhat depressive to your immune system. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I this, this is why I encourage people, you know, so long as you're using echinacea, you're keeping that wound area disinfected with the yarrow, Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not likely to need those antibiotics. Yeah, it's just yeah. They are just anticipating, just like okay, you you you're gonna have this antibiotic and for 14 days, so it's just right, know, exactly. And again, and, that yes. is that is absolutely not the way antibiotics are done anymore. The current understanding is that you only give antibiotics when there are signs of infection. And when those signs of infection cease, you stop giving antibiotics. You do not give a course of antibiotics except for certain specific things, like you might give a course of antibiotic for someone who has chronic Lyme disease. Yeah, but that's not something that they would tell you. It's just a part of, like, it's just a part of the procedure that people... Just part, guess, of, his, just part of his protocol, exactly. And that's why I'm saying, you don't have to argue with him. You don't even have to bring it up with him. Okay. You don't have to sure. tell him at all that you're not taking 
his antibiotics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just accept yeah. the prescription and, and you know, only make use of it if you need it or want it. Not just because you're frightened. Yeah, I guess you're right, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Trust your good ability to keep yourself healthy. Mm -hmm. It's very obvious that you're doing very well by yourself and taking really good care of yourself. Yes, uh, I I do now. Before, I just relied on them. Like, you know, I feel sick. I I have to go to the the doctor. I have to go to the emergency. And my husband was telling me, I think you have anxiety. You always want to see your doctor. Not not after I I met you. I bought your books. And then I empowered myself. No, I I am no longer afraid to, you know, (laughs) see a doctor. I, I seldom see them anymore. So I'm just so glad. Yeah, good. All right, and you're going to take another giant step into your empowerment here with the this uh, procedure as you move into deep medicine. Yes, yes, and uh, now I'm more like you know uh, relaxed. I'm not just I'm not so worried anymore. Like you know, I was just I said I need to talk to you. That's all. I think that's all I need. I wanted to hear. Oh, good for you. All right, call back in a month or so and let us know how everything went, would you? Yeah, I wanted the doctor to be surprised that, oh, you're actually bone healed so fast. Yeah, it's because of the Yes, exactly. <laughs> Just yeah. what we want. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> Good blessings. Good night. Good night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, we have six callers that have their hand raised. Next caller dialed in from the uh, 323 area code. From the 323, you are live with Susan. Uh, good uh, afternoon. My name is Lottie. Um, I was recommended to your program by a niece of mine who lives in Northern California. I live in Los Angeles. Uh, I have a problem. Uh, I'm a person that is, uh, I have longevity. And, uh, but I don't, um, I, I, I don't have a lot of illnesses uh, that normally you would expect a person that is 80 or more to have. And in my case, back in January, one day I got up to go to the bathroom and just suddenly was not able to stand on my feet. I uh, kind of collapsed in a chair, and I stood up again and, and kind of collapsed on my bed. And after that, I was able to go to the bathroom and come back. But since that time, I have not been able to get up. In the middle of January, I called 911 and was taken uh, to emergency. I was in the hospital about three weeks. The diagnosis from the doctor was, that I had had a severe attack of gout in my left hand and my left foot. I had had gout before I had medication for it, and if I had an attack of it, I'd take the medication. When when I no longer felt discomfort from it, I would stop taking the medicine, which probably uh, uh, was the wrong thing to do. 
at any rate, uh, since that time, I have not been able to stand up or to walk. Um, if 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 I'm sitting down, which I'm sitting on a bed right now, I'm able to get up and sit on the side of the bed, and I can move around on the bed, but I cannot stand up. The thing that has me in a quandary is what is going on that I am not able to get up and stand up? What's happening with my legs that uh, I'm not able to do it? When I was in the hospital, the doctor had suggested that I go to uh, a uh, hospital and have rehabilitation. I didn't want to go to do that because the hospital being suggested was not one that I felt I would do well in, so I opted to come home. And since this condition is going on, uh, I'm, I'm trying to see if I could find someone that is an herbalist that would tell me what their opinion is of what possibly might be going on with my body. I have had problems with my heart. I had three stents put in and the aortic valve replacement. But after the the procedures on my heart, nothing ever bothered me. I never felt like anything was done to my heart. I, you know, I don't have shortness of breath. I don't have anything that I uh, consider a related cause, if you know what I'm saying. I do. So um, uh, um, the, the, the thing that I had prior to all of this was the fact that, oh, about uh, maybe 18 years ago, a surgeon had suggested that I have uh, uh, my knees operated on because the cartilage was gone. So I've had problems, you know, over the years of having to have a cane or a walker to get around because there was no cartilage between my kneecaps. Other than that, basically I function and I function well. People who know me, who see me, even the doctors are quite surprised when they find out that I'm older than what I look. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't feel my age as such. So it's a real uh, puzzle to me since the only diagnosis was that I had had the attack of gout. What is it that would have created a situation where I'm not able to stand up or walk? And uh, because I've had someone in my family who was in an extremely uh, uh, sick condition that had gone to an herbalist or somebody to help him, my husband, as a matter of fact, he was able to get up and continue to walk. And I, and I feel that uh, there, there has to be something, either the doctor's not saying it or I'm not aware of it, but to me, I, I cannot figure out why it is that I can't walk because when I'm sitting down, I don't feel like one thing is wrong with me. I'm sitting here right now on my bed, and I feel like I could just jump up off of my bed 
and walk out of the room, go out and get in my car and go on about my business because prior to being sick, I drove a car. I have a car. I can drive. And I'm not just herding around in the street. I absolutely can drive. And so it's, it's, I'm in a quandary as to what's possibly going on. And I'm wondering, since you are in a profession where you deal with, you know, natural uh, herbs, what your opinion would be of what maybe is going on or is there anything that, you know, I might possibly be able to do? Let's ask ourselves what makes a muscle work. I take it that what you're saying, and I could be wrong, is that when you try to stand up, you don't have the muscular strength to stand up, that your legs kind of fail you. My legs hurt. I cannot stand up. So it's just pain? It it becomes painful. When I, when I try to stand, mm-hmm. there is too much pain, not in, not in anything but like from my knees down. It's too painful for me to stand up. I, I don't really know what that is, you know. Mm-hmm. So you stand up. And then very quickly the pain becomes so intense that you can't endure it and you sit down again. No, no, ma'am. When I go, when I attempt to stand up on my feet, it is almost impossible. I cannot pick myself up and stand up. The pain that I feel... Physically, you can do it, but you can't endure the pain. So as you yes, try to stand yes, up, yes, yes, pain that's, that's becomes so intense that you have to sit right. back down again. Right. The pain is because restricted to your lower legs. Right, because when I was in the your hospital... Your ankles are calves swollen. My ankles do swell, and but that's the thing that they've done because... I am over 300 pounds. I've always had trouble with my ankle swelling. But aside from that, I was a person that went, that worked. I'm very strong. And, you know, that that was never a problem, the swelling of the ankles, other than the fact that, you know, if, if I'm putting on shoes or something, maybe they might have swell, swollen too much so that, you know, I would so be conscious of the fact. Let's talk about a couple of herbs. Hawthorn is a very interesting herb. Hawthorn makes everything right with the heart and the blood vessels. And I know that you don't have a particular heart problem and that you don't feel anything wrong with your heart. But your ankle swelling and the pain in your legs indicates that there is some circulatory problem. And Hawthorn is very, very safe at any dose so that you can take pretty large doses of it if you want to. Mm-hmm. I like to take tincture of hawthorn berry, and I usually use one to two dropper fulls once or twice a day for each hundred pounds. Now, now hold on you a minute. Take, I'm a person. Take, I'm a person that does not take herbs. Pounds, so I, that would right. Three to six dropper fulls several times a day. Hawthorn is related to apples and strawberries. 
Okay. Quite safe, especially the berry. Uh huh. And that's that's a large amount of tincture, so you probably want to buy the tincture not just in a little bottle, but four ounces or even eight ounces of the Hawthorne Berry tincture. You can go online and find that. Or what I usually recommend that people do is, you know, buy four ounces to get started taking it, but at the same time, buy some Hawthorne berries, some dried Hawthorne berries. Now, where would I get that from? You could go online to Frontier Herbal Co-op. F-R-O-N-T-I-E-R, Frontier. And they will sell you a pound of Hawthorne berries. Hold on a minute. Oh, I had to get my pet. You say that's Hawthorne berries. Hawthorn, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N, Haw and Thorn. P-H, what was that? O-R-N, Thorn. Ouch, I just just got tricked by a thorn on the rose. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Hawthorn, Hawthorn, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N, Hawthorn, Barry, and Frontier, F-R-O-N-T-I-E-R, and you should be able to find them online or write to them. They're in Norway, Iowa, and they sell very good quality herb, very reasonable prices, and you once you get that Hawthorne berry, then you can go out and buy 100-proof vodka, and this is in all my YouTubes and in all my books. And you fill a jar about a third full with your dried Hawthorne berries, and then you fill it right up to the top with your 100-proof vodka, and you put a lid on it and a little label on it, and within six weeks, you can start using that tincture, which will cost you far, far less than buying it pre-made. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing to do for a tincture like Hawthorne. Hawthorne for the aging heart. I've been taking a drop or full or two of Hawthorne daily oh, for at least um, a dozen years. Once I turned 65, I said, hey, Hawthorne for the aging heart. Let's start, start taking some Hawthorne every day. Okay. It's that safe. Okay. That, and it's incredibly infective. The other herb is an herb we were just talking about um, with the other color, which is linden, L-I-N-D-E-N, and it's linden flowers. You can also get that from Frontier or a, a local place around you. And you can make linden as a tea. You can just put a, some linden in a tea ball or in a cup of some water and let it brew for a short time or... You can make linden as an infusion in which you mm-hmm. actually weigh out half an ounce of linden and put it into a quart jar mm-hmm. and fill that jar to the top of the boiling water. Again, I have YouTubes showing me doing this and the information's in all my books. Put a lid on it and let it steep overnight. And then the next morning, strain that. Linden is very wonderful anti-inflammatory. Gout. Okay. 
Now is a very specific term used to mean a disease of uric acid. But through most of written literature, uh, doctors and herbalists use the word gout to mean any inflammatory condition of the joints. Okay. So by strengthening your heart, strengthening the venous return from your heart, we will bring more oxygen to your legs, freeing them from the pain. By reducing inflammation, we will further increase. Mm -hmm. And let me ask you if at this point you have tried any external applications of CBD oil? No, ma'am. Uh-uh. I don't even know what that is. CBD is part of the cannabis plant. It's okay. cannabidiol. And okay. cannabidiol is a very powerful pain reliever. Okay. It's completely, it's completely non-addictive. There are two pain relief in the brain, uh, one based on opium, and that's an addictive pathway, and it's addictive to, for anyone who is exposed long enough. It has nothing to do with willpower. And the okay. other one is cannabinoid pain pathway, and it is entirely non-addictive. Okay. Um, no matter how much is taken or for how long. Okay. One of the safest ways to use it is to use it externally, and in this situation, um, I think that it could be a very great ally for you. Mm-hmm. I like to use CBD products that are pretty strong. Okay. I always figure that if I'm using it externally and mm-hmm. it's too strong, then, gosh, I'm going to get too much pain relief. Boo-hoo. Mm-hmm. A really good company is called Cry Baby. Cry Baby? Like, Cry Baby. Like, don't right. cry, baby. Cry okay. Baby. Cry and, Baby well. that's a company, okay? That's a company. That's a company that makes CBD products. Okay. And I think you might find something. You can get CBD oil and rub it on your lower legs. They have CBD soap. They have all different kinds of products. They can help you apply this component from cannabis, which is a very powerful pain reliever. Okay. All right? That's good to know. Okay, so that's a lot to start with. Okay. Would you give me a call in two or three weeks and let me know how things are going? Yes, I will, because what I'm going to do, I'm going to call my niece, who is into herbs, and and explain as best I can what you told me so that I'll get a better... You know what? uh, The show is uh, recorded. She can actually go and listen to the show. Okay. She's Denise, and you know her. She talks to you. That's the reason... I have your There number. you go. So you, you, okay. you just tell her this whole show is recorded, and she can go and listen to Great. what's going on, and um, then she can tell you that you probably retained a whole bunch of it. 
Okay. And okay. Thank you. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for your time tonight. Well, I thank you for talking to me. She assured me, you know, you were really uh, uh, trained in this and would be able to help me very simply. So I appreciate that, and I will try and get these products and start to use them because I feel that I really should be able to get up and go on about my business. And, uh, All right, I'm with you on that. Service. All right, thank you, ma'am, so much. Good night. Okay, night, night. All right, and it looks like we have uh, six callers that have their hand raised at this time. Our next caller has dialed in from the 512 area code. From the 512, you are live with Mm -hmm. Susan. Hello? Hello, this is Susan. Hello, Susan. Uh, This is Anna. Uh, Susan, um, now um, my I drink your herbs, and of course I listen to your uh, programs. And uh, you, you're you're like the previous uh, caller. You empower me. Although I'm having a problem, recurring problem, and that um, started in in 2019. Um, I was um, my movement, my bowel movement just became very watery. So I had it tested and it, they came up with a parasite. Uh, they gave me antibiotic, so it became, which was uh, afterwards, it became better. Then, then last year, the same thing uh, became watery again and uh, got it tested. I couldn't believe parasite again. Um, Tell me, do you me, know the, the name of the parasite? You know, I don't. Um, I don't remember. Does GRDS sound familiar? Let me see. I have it. Uh, um, I have it on my. Um, yeah, I don't remember the name. I do not remember the name. Um, Giardia is a waterborne parasite. Yes, this is something, yes, she said it probably was in the water. Yes, it is Giardia. And what that means is that the water that you're drinking is contaminated. But I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so, uh, um, uh, how would I say it, uh, cautious. I drink only boiling water. Uh, you know? Sure that- I'm not sure Giardia can be killed by boiling water. Okay. So, but but my mom, my husband would get it too. You know, he's I'm married and and you know he's not fine. Nece- not necessarily. People have different gut biomes. Okay. You know, and it, it could be in the water. He could have it but not have symptoms. One of the symptoms, in addition to watery bowel movements, that's really common with the Giardia is burps. That's right. I also have wind and I have uh, yes. uh, you know, uh, burps. gurgling and gurgling in my... In uh, my gurg- right? Yeah. So he could have it and not have those symptoms. 
Okay. Well, why why are they um, uh, I'm fine after the uh, antibiotic for a year, and then bang, I'm watery again. Well, it, they'd probably give me a Nobel Prize if I could answer that. But anyhow, <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> because you are you know getting reinfected, and or because there's certain times of the year and our bo- yeah. bodies remember anniversaries. My sweetheart got bitten by what we think was a brown recluse spider and it turned his ear into a head of cauliflower. It was re- really awful. Like the venom from the spider was trying to digest his ear. And that was like over 20 years ago, but every summer at the time when he got bitten by the spider in his sleep, his ear tries to turn into a head of cauliflower again. Uh-huh. So sometimes our bodies just remember and do that, but mm-hmm. if there is still, and what people do is they filter the Giardia out. They're tiny, 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 and you get a tiny, you know, micron filter that filters them out. Uh, I'm, I'm using... Um Oh gosh, what is the the the, the um, not Bona but um, Brita Brita? I'm using Brita jug. Good idea. Not small enough to get Giardia. Mm-hmm. You have to have a special filter. Okay. Um, it used I to be not... called it used yes. to be called Beaver Fever because the further away you get from civilization, the more likely the water is to have Giardia in it. Mm-hmm. It's a parasite of the wilderness, interestingly enough. And spread by, you know, well, things like beaver. Mm-hmm. And then into the water, and then we use that water to brush our teeth, we get in the shower with that water. Not just mm-hmm. drinking it. Right. Uh, Susan, the last uh, uh, series of antibiotics, I took them three times a day for a week. Oh, it was horrible. I do not want to do it. I, I just can't see myself going through it again. See if you can find tincture of warm wood. Artemisia absinthum. I went on a whitewater rafting trip on the Green and Colorado Rivers, both of which are filled with giardia. And you don't go down a rapid with your mouth shut. You open your mouth and scream. So, So it was pretty obvious that I was getting some giardia into my body there as we proceeded down the rivers and over the rapids, and we were out for 10, 12 days. So, was, you know, we were in and out of the water quite quite a bit. And sure enough, on the airplane ride home, I suddenly start to have these very sulfurous burps, burp, 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 burp. And I'm like, uh-oh. Right, and then I have to get up, you know, and run to the bathroom. And I had some more wood tincture with me because it is a travel companion, and I started taking, well, not a lot, maybe five drops every five, 
this is five minutes. So I just, you know, put a few drops in the palm of my hand and I kind of lick it up. It's really bitter. I mean, really, really bitter. They say that a drop of wormwood in a swimming pool full of water, you could still taste it's that bitter. But, um, you know, I, I did that until I had pretty much emptied my bottle. Never had any further sign of Giardia. Oh, my gosh. Where do I get it? Please tell me. You could see if um, Red Moon Herbs is making wormwood tincture. Okay. Yes, I know them. Mm-hmm. And it's, of course, most, most effective if it's made from the fresh plant. It's not a wild plant in North America. It's a wild plant in the Mediterranean. So, but it's easy to grow. Mm-hmm. It's called warm, like warm uh, in the ground. Warm tincture. Yes, exactly. Warm wood. Warm Artemisia absinthum. The plant that the, that the liqueur absinthe was made from. Okay. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it that there is a I knew you would say something, that there is a cure for it, because I do not want to take those antibiotics, those horrible, horrible experience. And they did not help, obviously, because I'm back into... Uh, they did. They did help. They got rid of it. You got reinfected. Oh gosh. Not there to blame the antibiotics. You got reinfected. Okay. Okay. Uh, warm wood. Uh, and what else can I take? To stop your bowels from being so watery. Yes. Slippery elm is a wonderful help. Marshmallow might be a good help. Mm-hmm. Slippery mm-hmm. elm powder mixed up with some honey. I have a YouTube making slippery elm balls. And the marshmallow, I usually make it as um, either a cold brew or an infusion with hot water and then a rebrew. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you so much because I, I'm just freaking out today because uh, I've been watery for over a week. Uh, I, I went to a Chinese medicine doctor and he did prescribe me some herbs that I am boiling and drinking, but I suppose maybe it's too early to uh, see the results. Um, and I'm asking myself, how how long can I be that watery? How is that good for my body to be like this for for like two weeks? Slippery elm should stop it within an hour. Slippery elm and the warm slippery elm, slippery elm powder and mix it with honey mm-hmm. and roll it into balls and suck on it. Okay. And see what that does. Is it good for your body? Your body's trying to get rid of the parasite. Right. Right? Exactly. That's exactly how I feel. So I would say, yeah, that's good for your body. Your body's doing something healthy, it seems like to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm drinking nettle right now, uh, so I'm drinking the herbal infusions, but... 
What I'm suggesting is marshmallow instead, which is more soothing to the gut. Sure, sure. I will do that. Uh, warm wood, slippery elm, and a marshmallow. Warm wood tincture. Warm wood yes, tincture. Warm Small warm amounts to kill the giardia. Slippery elm bark mixed with honey to calm down your gut and stop the flux, as older herbalists would have called it. And marshmallow. Um, ounce in a jar, you can pour either hot or cold water over it, let it steep, and pour that off. It should be pretty slippery, and you can rebrew it a couple of times with cold water, and should help to ease the distress of your gut. We have to get rid of the giardia. That's the most important thing. Sometimes, depending on how bad the infection is, we start with wormwood, and it brings it down to a tolerable level where you don't have symptoms, but you still need to be tested. And if you still test positive for Giardia and you don't want it to come back, then you might want to take the antibiotic. It's up to you. Oh, I see. So I do have to get right. rid of it. That's what you're saying. In other words, I started taking the wormwood the minute I got symptoms, right? Uh-huh. The instant I got symptoms. So there is very little giardia in my system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So but, once my movement you becomes... Sh- I think you're saying that you've, this has already been going on for two weeks. Right. So I'm saying the wormwood is certainly going to push it back, and I think that you will find yourself to have few to no symptoms, but you, like your husband might actually still have some giardia in your body because it's hard to get rid of it. Exactly. It looks like it. Uh, do I, uh, when, when my bowel movement becomes firmer, should I be just fine uh, with it or should I still get tested? I would still get tested. I would check in if you don't want it to come back. Mm-hmm. Up to you. Okay. Okay, but you, you know, if the bowel movement is firm, I mean, that's what—that's healthy, right? That's the way we want it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, Susan. Thank you so much. Right. I will order it uh, immediately. Wonderful. Green and the slippery Thanks. elm and marshmallow from from the frontier herbs. Wonderful. Just perfect. okay. Okay. Alrighty. Thank you very, thank Good you very much for your help. Mm, bye bye. Yes. Yes. All right. It looks like we've got about eleven minutes before our guest, and there are five callers that have their hand raised. Our next caller is Diane. Oh my gosh! Well, that's not gonna work, is it? Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Overload. Overload. Oh. Well, I apologize. Call back next week. Thank you all. And uh, for the next caller, you are dialed in from the 479. From the 479, you're live with Susan. Hey, Susan, this is Teresa calling from the Ozarks at the U.S. Hi, Teresa from the Ozarks. Susan, I wanted to ask you about um, PMJ, clicking in the jaw. Um, I'm using a night guard, and I'm using skullcap tincture for a little help. 
traumatized. But this has been going on um, for probably about two years for me. It's not getting worse, but it's not getting better. Well, I'll tell you what I like is hypericum. A dropper full of hypericum before you go to sleep. No, a dropper full of the tincture before you go to sleep. Okay. Okay. Uh, What's usually going on is that that nerve is firing. And hypericum's ability to impact nerve function and your intention that that's what's going to happen work very well together. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So would you drop the skull cap at that point? Would that be the only um, intervention? No, I don't. don't, Unless the skull cap is helping you to sleep deeper and you like it, you can certainly keep taking it. And if Uh not, then... Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Mm. Green blessings. Good night. (laughs) Good night. All right. The next caller is dialed in from the 908 area code. From the 908, you're live with Susan. Hello, Susan. Hello. Yes. Hi, Susan. Carol Raptus. Hi. How oh, Carol, are you? Hi. I didn't recognize your voice at first. Yes. Hi. Yes. It was hard to hear. Hey, what's up? Um, what's this? Yes. So just quickly, um, when you brew the kava. Um, could you go over how you um, you make your uh, mixture? You make kava and green tea and something else. But I infusion the infusion of the day. Yeah, the infusion. The infusion of the day. Whatever the infusion is that day. Yes. Not a specific infusion, but whatever infusion I'm drinking that day. You you add the kava to it. In the morning, right. I make myself a cup that's one-third kava, one-third green tea matcha, which is pre-brewed, and one-third infusion, whatever infusion. I'm drinking that day. Yeah. The rest of the day, I just drink the infusion. Got it, got it. But now, how do you brew the kava? Is it I make one an infusion again? of kava by putting one ounce of dried kava root into a quart jar, fill it to the top with boiling water, put a lid on it, and let it steep overnight just the way you make any other infusion. Exactly. Good. I just wanted to. And you don't brew it again? Do you give it I another it brew? Like... Several, I do it again several times. It's a root. Roots can be more expensive, and they will yield more. But when I rebrew it, then I have to use more. Yes. So if I'm okay. using two ounces each morning when I do the first brew, then I'm going to use four ounces each morning when I do the second brew and a cup each morning when I do the third brew. Oh, very good. Very good. Excellent. And then just reviewing the linden, um, you brew it once, but it's not one ounce of linden, correct? Yes, I only use half an ounce of linden. Okay, okay, half an ounce. I rebrew and the then... linden and I rebrew the comfrey, both of which contain mucilage. So oh. after I've 
exude them, to get the minerals and the nutritive value out of them. I rebrew them with half as much cold water. So if I made a quart, then I'm going to use two cups of cold water. And I'll put that in a saucepan and bring it up to a boil. And then turn the fire off. And that will get more of that slippery mucilage off out. Uh, you'll see when you strain it how very, very slippery it is. Okay, wonderful. I know right. you have other callers, so um, thank you very much, and um, of course, thanking you forever for everything you, you do for welcome, us. You're welcome, Carol. Lots of love. Love you so much, Mwah. Susan. Mwah. Good night. All right, and from the 504, from the 504, you are live with Susan. Hey, Susan, this is Kevin in New Orleans. I wanted to ask Hi, a Kevin. quick question. Hey, okay. I want to ask a quick question about hops. I'm growing hops, and they're, it looks like they're going into maturity. What's the best time to harvest for tincture? So when you say maturity, what does your plant look like? It's a vine that's secured to a fence post, and it's got these kind of green, pine looking flowers. Okay, so you have a female hops. Okay. They're male and female, just like cannabis. Okay. And you have to have the female plant. Okay. And usually, just like cannabis, it is harvested when the strobiles, those things that look like pine cones, are loaded with pollen. And you can touch them. You can squeeze them. You can smell your fingers. You can see how sticky your fingers are. All of those things will kind of show you when it's at its peak of ripeness and talk to people who harvest cannabis because they, again, these Two plants are the only two plants in the cannabinaceae family, hops and cannabis. And they're very, very much the same in terms of cultivation. You harvest female flowers and you want to get them when they have the most pollen possible. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. Green blessings. All right. And it looks like we've got three minutes for the caller in the 239 area code. From the 239, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Thank you so much for everything you share. You're welcome. What's up with you tonight? Um, I believe I had COVID in January. Um I did not get tested, so I can't be sure. And I'm having some um, symptoms, um, like my voice, as you can probably tell, is very uh, strained. I have uh, tremors and um, tinnitus in my ears and, like, a loss of weight and muscle tone. At this point, are you drinking nourishing herbal infusions on a regular basis? I do. I could be more consistent, but I do drink them. Okay. 
And that's your primary drink, your only drink, your secondary drink? Yes, primary. Excellent. I'll, I'll either drink infusions or mineral water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, coffee or tea or hot chocolate would probably be a better choice than mineral water, but that's okay. I just you know, gave I'm up coffee. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. You can. It's a powerful, um, health-protecting antioxidant herb. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't drink it. I don't like the taste of it. I especially am offended by the smell of it, but I know I'm kind of the odd person out on that. There are lots of people like the smell and the taste of it. Yeah, I so, do. I just thought it might have been contributing to my jitteriness or maybe um, depleting minerals. I'm not sure. I just decided to... Can't do any of those things. Give it up for a little bit. Sure. And you certainly can. There's nothing wrong with giving it up, but there's nothing wrong with drinking it either. Okay, I like to hear that. So, yeah. Have you been working with any antivirals? Um, I've taken a, a few tinctures. Again, not consistently. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Antiviral would be like echinacea. Um, echinacea or... is more of an antibacterial. Okay. Um, elderberry. Okay. Um, astragalus. Those are gentle, safe herbs. that help your immune system and can be taken at any time so it's not like it's too late. It's just fine to do it now. Mm-hmm. And um, we just finished the Green Goddess Week and of course seven days. So we have one of each of the five nourishing herbal infusions for the first five days. And then we start making what I call the the odd infusions infusions from adaptogens and immune helpers like elderberry, like amlaberry, like astragalus, like marshmallow root, uh, chickweed, we had hawthornberry, we had chisandra berry. The berries make wonderful infusions. And so you can do elderberry in any way you want to. It's reasonably inexpensive to buy. You can make elderberry infusion. You can boil it Mm -hmm. up with some sugar and make elderberry syrup. The word is that the elderberry syrups on the market um, are kind of tricky, that the sources of elderberry are not very dependable, and that you should make your own elderberry syrup rather than buying it. Okay. I have not worked with those herbs, so I'll definitely um, start working with them. Great. Um, Great. I did have, uh, maybe 18 years ago, I, after I had my daughter, I was diagnosed with Graves' disease. At the time, I didn't know anything about natural medicine. Um, I just took the medication, took it for about eight years, and then I stopped taking it. So I've been good for about 10 years. Um, but it seems like these symptoms are um, exactly what I had before 
when I was diagnosed with Graves. Interesting. So I think that's a good lead, and you should follow it and see where that takes you. Mm-hmm. And it's possible that it was aggravated by the COVID, but that it's not, strictly speaking, um, caused by the COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as any herbal... Um, medicines that would regulate the thyroid? Do you have any um, suggestions? Or in should I just menop- go get blood work? In new menopausal years, the wise woman way, I have a whole chapter on thyroid and herbs. Okay. And talks about fucus and how to use fucus and uh, what kinds of things are useful for the thyroid and what kind of things are not so useful. I know, okay. also know that Ryan Drum and I did a teleseminar in which he went over in great detail his um, protocol for dealing with various thyroid problems, and that's probably still available. Okay. Try the wise one book shop. Yes, see if you can find that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Three blessings. Good night. Thank you. Green blessing. All right. And Vincent again. I want to welcome Vincent Jenna, a truly authentic and gifted psychic medium with the knowledge and experience of a psychotherapist and a big, charming personality and a showman. Vincent Jenna combines his extraordinary psychic abilities, academic credentials, and a genuine, all-loving approach to provide healing for body, mind, and spirit. As a psychic therapist, Vincent uses his more than 39 years of training, research, and experience in the metaphysical, psychological, and spiritual fields to dive deep into your psyche, to release unconscious blockages, resistances, and self-sabotaging beliefs and behaviors so you can fulfill the life of your dreams. Vincent offers his spiritual, metaphysical, and psychological insights in his first book, The Secret That's Holding You Back, released by Chandy Media, June 2022. Welcome to the show, Vincent. Oh, my goodness, Susan. Thank you for having me on. It's great to be here. All right. Well, you obviously are not functioning from any blockages. You have figured out how to manifest what it is you want, including your book. Was that difficult for you, or did you just come by it naturally? Oh, no, 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 no. It's actually a second writing. Uh, My first book, which was originally titled God, It's Not Working, What One Man Found That Makes Everything Work, uh, tended to be more of a memoir. And so in hooking up what I did manifest, though, Susan, it's funny that you say that, I manifested getting the proper um, publisher who then hooked me up with the editor that I needed who then pulled that book out from me. Um, and, and that's what I was very excited about. So, no, it was definitely a process. 
And man, oh man, I am constantly working on not holding me back. That's the reason why I wrote the book, because it is a process that continues because of how ingrained some of those deep, deep deep-seated maladaptive beliefs are in everybody. I was very fortunate that one of my very first teachers spent time with us every week in what she called unthinking. Oh, wow, that's really interesting. And so what she was referring to is all those deep, hidden feelings, beliefs. Um, um, Eckhart Tolle called them the hidden beliefs. We would just go right around the circle. She would throw out a topic like leftovers after dinner. Oh, wow, that, that's so great. Wow, you, that's a wonderful, fortunate experience for you that you were able to have that so early on. Um, I've worked so on this important. for 40 years. Yeah. yeah, so that I, I right away, you know, was alerted to the fact that I can have a very heartfelt belief, but it doesn't mean it's true. That's exactly. And that's why I say that most people don't believe what they think they believe, because there is that protective mechanism of the brain in order to help us function in our daily lives. It's so funny. When I was out working as a psychotherapist, uh, because I went back and I got my college degree so that I could do that, get a little bit more experience about the human brain, not just be a psychic medium. That's the reason why I call myself a psychic therapist. So once I started working with people, it just was so interesting to find out that what they were saying on one hand isn't what they were truly believing deep down, inside of them and it took my ability to be able to get in there to bring to the surface what they were really believing see the the brain needs to function and keep you going right that's its primary goal is to keep us alive so as a psychotherapist we taught everybody coping skills skills and coping skills were just basically band-aids to help a person just get by from one circumstance to another circumstance. But because we're spiritual beings and we're tapped into a greater force, Susan, it was more important for people to understand what was really causing the outcome of their lives. Why were they experiencing things they didn't want to experience when everybody in the new books, the new thought, new age understanding was talking about the law of attraction and that you can manifest all you want. And so when it came down to them trying to examine what the problem was, they couldn't figure it out. And that's why I spent so much time researching it and using my thousands of people experience and my readings that I've done for everybody to put that together to help them understand what's really going on. And I promised them at the beginning of the show that you were going to tell them what was really going on and what they could start doing about it. Ah, well, um, uh, what I lay out in my book are absolute steps and processes that you can do to get down to the core of what you're really carrying with you. First and foremost, everybody has to understand that when you come into this world, you start to create and form these beliefs about yourself based on the information and the messages you are receiving from your environment. And unfortunately, in the world today, and it's been going on this way for a long time, 
children wind up receiving all these negative messages, whether they're not doing good enough in school or behaving bad at home or, um, uh, uh, you know, not having enough self-discipline. No, you shouldn't want another cookie before dinner. You have to, you know, hold on and control yourself. No, don't act that way. You're not supposed to get angry. And all of these messages. And then, of course, messages from families that are not necessarily functional themselves. They're dysfunctional. And, and, and there's so many breakups and there's so many single parents. And even today, and so, so much has gone on about parents becoming sick and one dying and, and all, all these things that are going on. And meanwhile, all these children are forming these inner beliefs about themselves based on those experiences. And I call them the maladaptive beliefs or the I'm not. So they wind up feeling I'm not lovable, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not tall enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not worthy enough. All of these things they harbor inside. So now that's the first set of beliefs we all have. So people have to understand that. And now everybody thinks, well, just because I'm becoming an adult, I don't have those beliefs anymore. I'm going to push those aside. No, that's not true. You cannot push anything aside once the brain has experienced it. That is a principle about the human brain. Whatever goes in does not come out. And, and it just stays in there forever, okay? So Somebody once said... said- Somebody once said to me about this, if you spill coffee on your white pants, no matter how many times you wash them, there will always be a stain. There you go. I love that because that's the exact same thing. It's going to be in there forever. You know, there may be some diseases that come along later in your life that keep you from remembering um, those beliefs, but they are still inside of you. Okay, so now the second thing we have to understand is as we become older and the brain starts to develop, it has to protect us against anything that is harmful to us because that's the second highest function of the brain. The first is to keep us alive. The second is to protect us. We know how it protects us physically in all different ways. It will create um, antibodies and antigens to keep to kill bacteria and viruses that are in our bodies. It'll raise your body temperature in order to make it an unlivable, unlivable environment when you do catch a bug or, or flu or anything along those lines, right? Well, what does it do emotionally when you're walking around with all of these pains and hurts about yourself, the I'm not? Well, it will create a set of defense mechanisms and a new set of beliefs to shield and protect you from your original set. So now there's this layer of new beliefs that are hiding the old beliefs. So when you're walking around and you think you believe that you deserve a lover, a knight in shining armor, a princess, whomever, or you believe that you deserve a really good job, you know, that's high paying and very rewarding, or you believe that you should have financial abundance and security and great health and well-being, and yet that's not what's happening? Well, it's because that's not what you really believe then. So you have to look then at the outcome of your life and what's in your life right now. Do you have all you want? Do you have some of what you want and things that you don't want? 
Well, those are indications of those maladaptive beliefs that are influencing your manifesting. So you have to look at all of that and recognize that first. So you go, aha, there's something inside of me that's stopping me from attaining all that I desire or fulfilling my dreams like it says I can. So those are very important initial steps because that begins to disempower that defense mechanism that disempowers the block that's keeping you from understanding what you really believe. Then the hardest part comes along. And the hardest part is having the courage to face what you're really believing. You've got to understand, if the brain is creating these defense mechanisms to start with, it means it doesn't like those beliefs you've been harboring. It doesn't like those feelings of inadequacy or I'm not good enough or that I'm not lovable. It certainly doesn't like that at all. So it's very difficult then for us to consciously want and willingly face those things. It's really interesting, again, back to psychotherapy. One of the things that we learned in school is how difficult it is to get clients who really need counseling to go to counseling. Why? I mean, it's very productive and it can be very helpful. Why wouldn't people want to go? And the major reason is, Susan, is because people are afraid of finding out that their deepest, darkest fear about themselves is true. So they develop these defense mechanisms unconsciously without knowing it, but you see there's hints of those feelings inside because every so often it'll sneak up from the bottom where you turn around and you say, oh, man, I didn't get that job. Jeez, I'm I'm just never going to get anything good. I'm just not worth a good job. Or all my love life just doesn't seem to work out. I, I, I must have some problem. I mean, that is a normal thing for people. It sneaks through. So we're afraid to face those feelings and think that they're true. But here's the most important part that everybody has to understand. None of those beliefs are true. Yes, maybe because you believed in them, you may have set up circumstances that give evidence to make it sound like you're inadequate. Or if you've lost your job many times because you never believed that it was one that you wanted, that you were good enough, and then you wound up setting up and manifesting circumstances where you didn't get the right job or you lost the job or you lost the opportunities, Yes, you're going to walk around and keep believing that, well, it must be me. So, yes, some of those things may have happened, but you have to understand that they still are not the truth of who we are. And that makes it the most difficult thing for people to face because then the major thing they have to do, Susan, is to reparent, retrain, recondition themselves into knowing they are worthy they are good enough they are lovable they are deserving and those are the hardest things to do so i tell everybody in the book i give them the steps i tell them right away number one this is going to be the hardest work you have ever done it is easier for you 
to become the president of a company, the CEO of a company, one of the wealthiest people around, than it is for you to face and change your self-denigrating beliefs. Because if, we had, if it was so easy to do, we would have done it a long time ago. But look at, the, look at the way people are acting today, Susan. Look at the way the world is going. It's all because of how bad people feel about themselves. And so, yes, the processes I give are easy. The practices are difficult. They were even difficult for me. Uh, I mean, I could share stories, man, about me, myself, and, and, and it's how difficult it's been in my own life. Right? I absolutely agree that there is no harder work anywhere than work on self and becoming responsible for yourself. And loving yourself. Loving yourself. That it seems so trite and ridiculous, right? Listen, listen, we're two adults here. You have done incredible work in your life, right? And we go all around, we talk about this stuff all the time, but when you get somebody to finally say it out loud to themselves, I don't believe in myself, I don't believe I'm lovable. Okay, this is what happened to me. This is really interesting. So at 28 years old, all of this happened to me where these gifts were awakened and given to me, whatever I want to say, awakened within me, I remembered them, whatever. And, and so I became psychic, I became a medium, and things started really panning out in my life and doing well. I had my own business, and I was becoming really happy and successful in what I was doing, but, but I was only getting so far. I couldn't get to the fulfillment of all I wanted to do. I couldn't get the idea of that I'm going to write a book or that I'm going to do television shows and radio shows and all these interviews. I can only get so far. And so I put it out there. Every time I need some guidance, and this is advice for everybody, turn to the universe. You're part of the universe, so it's turning to your higher self. And just put it out there. Go, okay, listen. Listen to me. Okay, whatever the powers to be, God, angels, whoever you are, my soul, whatever, listen to me. I don't know what the heck is going on in my life right now. I don't know what I'm doing or what I should be doing or not be doing. Do me a favor. I'm going to clear the slate and make believe I don't know anything. Bring it on. Tell me what it is I need to learn and know right now. I am willing to accept it. I'm ready. I'll put my gloves on. I'll get into the boxing ring with whatever I have to. Bring it on. And that's exactly what I did. Okay? I said that. I said exactly that. And then, and, and let me tell you, the universe responds very quickly, so be prepared, people. So within a couple of days, a friend of mine calls me up and says, Hey, Vince, I was wondering if you could do me a favor. I'm learning how to be a life coach, and I actually need to practice with people. I figured you'd be the best person to practice with because you already know this stuff, right? And so you'd be able to really help me and guide me along the way. And I'm like, oh, wow, that would be really – that will be a lot of fun acting as a student. But I went, okay, I never put two and two together that she was sent to me. 
So I went there you along go, right? That. Yeah. Yes. So I know, but I didn't know. You know, not yet, but hindsight. <laughs> I'm, and I'm psychic, and I didn't even know, Susan. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> right. So here we are. We're talking. I meet with her every week, and we're talking, and she's saying sweet stuff, and uh, oh yes, and you're doing this, and this is great, and maybe you can do it. Go after this, and I would, I would kind of make up some problems that I had, or I use some old problems to see what she would come up with. And we would talk and talk and talk, and then one week, she turns around and she says to me, "Oh my gosh, I just figured out something about you." And I was like, okay, what? You know, with a smirk, you know, on my face. You don't believe in yourself. I said, uh-huh. what? Uh-huh. You don't believe in yourself. I was, let me see, how old was I? This was about 14. I was at least 53 years old. I was 53 years old. I was already a practicing psychic medium. I had given her readings and her husband readings, right? And she turns around and tells me, you don't believe in yourself. And I'm like, come on. Of course I believe in myself. I wouldn't have done that. And she says, no. Listen to everything you just said. She reflected everything back to me. That I was saying that I didn't even realize I was saying, and I turned around and I went, oh, my God, you're right. I don't believe in myself. It was the biggest aha moment. I was like, at first I was, I was like, come on, you're the student here, and you're going to tell me that I don't believe in myself? Give me a break. Why would I have come this far? Right. I mean, like, what kind of life coaching is that? Yo. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it was unbelievable, Susan, and I was like, wait a minute. I asked God to find out what my problem was, and here he does. He sends my friend, somebody who I would just allow to, to open up myself to, and he tells me I don't believe in myself. And when I heard that, it was the biggest aha moment to me. And that's what I do for my clients. I actually reflect back to them their most painful beliefs. And when they hear them, it's like hearing them for the first time, and then they go, you're right. Oh, my gosh, I don't think I'm lovable. Oh, my gosh, I don't think I'm smart. Oh, my gosh, I, I don't think I'm deserving. That's terrible, right? And you've been carrying that forever. And so... You can do it. I learned how they can do it for themselves, which is why I put that all in that book. It may be only 246 pages, but it's thousands and thousands of of world ancient information and knowledge and wisdom. And I just can't say how much is in that book that gets and changes and transforms people's lives because it's true. They will turn around and they will realize what needs healing in them. You can't heal what you don't see needs healing. I mean, I had people, you know, ask me, why do you spend so much time talking about what, what they're doing wrong? And not enough time or, or not more time just telling what they're doing right. And I'm like, wait a minute. 
we got all the other people out there giving fluffy stuff to everybody, all these beautiful affirmations and stuff like that. However, they're still not working. And the reason why they're not working is because people are not understanding what the problem is. They're not understanding what needs to be healed. The minute they hear and see what needs to be healed, Susan, they have a chance of healing it. You don't go to the doctor and walk in his office and say, fix me. The first thing the doctor's going to ask you is, what's wrong? Well, I don't know, but I know something's wrong. Fix me. Well, do you have any pains? I don't know. Well, well, uh, uh, what's the, are you eating right? I don't know. You've got to tell them. <laughs> Vincent, Vincent, I have people do something very interesting to find this out. They come, yeah. they come perhaps with a problem. And I ask them what the problem with the problem is. So perhaps the problem is I have headaches. What's the problem with the problem? Well, when I have headaches, I can't um, cook dinner. I can't uh, take the kids to the soccer game. I can't. Right? And we write all, all, these, all these things down, whatever the problem with the problem is. And then we admit that we want these things. Oh, wow. I can't believe that you said that. Wow. That's actually one in, in my book. I also list reasons. I, see, I list all the different types of problems that people can have financially, and I tell stories of my clients that illustrate those issues. And the one section is about health, and I list five reasons why people are unhealthy or they have health issues that we manifest and why they manifest, and one reason is because they unconsciously want them. Yes. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. It gives us the opportunity to say, oh, I have a headache. I can't make dinner tonight. It's an excuse. Absolutely. I mean, all disabilities. It's not just an excuse because an excuse makes it seem like it's not real. It's real. We actually so much times and manifest these things when we're not willing to stand up and say, fix your own dinner. That's right. Exactly. It gives them a reason. That's what I mean by an excuse. It gives them a reason to be able to get out of what they don't want to do instead of just like you just said, instead of saying, I don't want it. It also, it goes as far as getting out of jobs that they don't like. You know how many people are on Social Security disability because they hated the work that they were doing or they didn't even know what their dream job should be? So it gets them out without their knowing. They don't consciously sit there and say, you know what, I'm going to get sick. I'm going to purposely give myself a headache. Wait, let me bang up my head up against the wall. Yeah, they don't right, know right. Let that me bang. that. The, the yeah. apprentice says to me, I really want to be in the kitchen and making things in the kitchen. The next morning you're talking sick, she says, well, I broke a jar in the kitchen. I guess I'm not allowed there anymore. <laughs> right. Oh, gosh. Oh, my goodness. But, but – but we're doing that all over the place with all aspects of our life, Susan. And so it's got to change for people because they know they want it to change. They don't want it to be that way. Right. But they just don't know how else to be because this is well, how they've tell, gotten Tell them how to get in touch with you because uh, you know it's a blog talk show and they're going to cut us off. So make sure they know how to get in touch with you, Vincent. Absolutely. Um, all they have to do is go to my website at vincentjenna.com, G-E-N-N-A. They can link to my book that way or go to Amazon 
com and get the secret that's holding you back. Go get it, read it, leave me an incredible five-star review so that the rest of the world can see it, and it's going to change and transform your life. That's the best way to get a hold of me. And then, of course, all my social media is listed on my website, Instagram, YouTube channel, and my wonderful podcast, The Jenna Effect that you can listen to on all podcast platforms and mindbodyspirit.fm. So thank you for letting me share that. And thank you for having me on the show. Vincent, I think that we are all reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients, and I want to thank you for your uh, psychic and experienced weaving as we bring health back to all of us into wholeness. And Sarah Ellen, thank you for helping me restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Sorry we didn't talk at all about Hypericum Conference this week, but very, very soon you will see the beautiful Hypericum banner coming your way. Green blessings, everybody, and good night. <laughs>